0: Hate to break it to you, babe. But I'm not drowning. There's no one here to say. I'm known for running my mouth I will not be accountable for what comes out uh. I don't know, I might have said it I was kind of gone and lightheaded My jacket kind of fresh, bright red As usual, my pants tight, threaded It seems like everybody dressed tight now And I just want my credit Don't get it, twisted or dreaded I am the king and will not be headed To the morgue no time soon, brethren Being broke make my head hurt So I need the bread or an excedrin That I only get my engine revving While y'all on 10, I'm on 11 I'm a Make the news be on its city. Matter of fact, I'm on this very second. I'm in first and y'all in second. And this verse only add to the freshness. Call of the club tell them add to the guest list. What you think? Way more bitches. I can never be too big for my britches Y'all motherfuckers know who this is.
1: Oh, welcome back to Small State Big Takes. This is episode one fifty-one. Uh we are shorthanded to today. It's just me, it's just Gilly, but uh Already back for a second episode is Alex Barth of 985, the Sports Hub, to talk all things Mac Jones and Patriots. So, Alex, thanks for coming on to fill some shoes tonight.
2: Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. Perfect day to do it, too. I, uh, Perfect I you, day. Your phone must be, I don't even know, catching catching flames over there in terms of all the, uh, the information was, probably going in and out. <laughs> I know I, I shot,
3: and this was probably, I don't know, 10 minutes after the Cam Newton news. I, I went and I shot a stand-up. And I had it like I had to take my phone out of my pocket and drop it on the ground because I just I couldn't focus. I could feel it. <laughs> and, and it's not all like I, I'm not trying to act like I'm a big deal getting blown up with sources. But it's, you know, you know, you know, Cam, Stan, Mac fan, two, nine, eight, seven, five, like in my tweets on Twitter and then his friends, you know, what happened? Why this happen? Blah, blah, blah. This and that. Um, you know, you guys just people trying to get me to come on. So. Uh, yeah, it was it was it got uh, a little hard to keep track of there for a couple hours for sure. I know I, I missed some calls and all that, but uh, it's been a fun day. It's honestly been, you know, this is days like this are why I love doing this because it's it, you're right in the middle of it. It's a good time.
2: I was going to say that's what my first question is going to be first. Like, do you, you do enjoy days like this? It's not like it's oh, this yeah, this is what you do it for 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 moments like this where it's like huge day. And I think I, I think you were the one who said it um, on a, uh, a video guys posted earlier. Um, was it with Evan Lazar in terms of this is the most influential day in Patriots history yeah. in a while and one of a handful in the five next... hundred days. Yeah. And even that think about how many, like in the last 10 years, this is probably a top five biggest, even maybe 20 years, uh, most important day in Patriots history. So I, I definitely appreciate that, but that's, yeah. no, that's, that's crazy to think, um, man, I don't know. Where do we even begin in terms of, uh, <laughs> kind of digesting <laughs> the day. Um, so obviously the, the reason, too, that we, we really wanted you on uh, Cam Newton released by the Patriots um, is the, the news yep. that they were obviously referring to there. Um, a, did you did you kind of see this coming in terms of a Mac Jones being QB one, then B, um, that Cam would not be the backup and that he would be uh, released and kind of the terms of that release are, are kind of intriguing to me. Do we think it's a mutual thing where it's Bill Belichick out of respect, not wanting to trade him? let him land on his feet and figure out what the best spot for him is moving forward. Something else. Um, What do you think?
3: Yeah. Well, first off, that's a really good question because I think it's important to look at it in the sense that you set it up and not everybody's doing that today. There were two decisions made here. There was the decision to make Mac Jones a starting quarterback. And there was the decision to release uh, Cam Newton. Those two decisions are not, you know, they could, they're mutually exclusive, right? The Patriots could have kept Cam Newton as the backup. They also could have released uh, Cam Newton and then either started Brian Hoyer or another veteran. If they felt like Mac Jones wasn't ready. I think obviously Jones had a great camp and he won the starting job, but I, I feel like, and this is, you know, I'm not the only one who feels this way and there's reports out there indicating this, at least a, a, a part of the reason, a significant part of the reason Cam Newton was released was his vaccination status. The Patriots were uncomfortable with that. Now they've known all along why break now. Well, it's tough to say maybe him missing those five days was a, uh, you know, just to kind of slap in the face of reality. And they, you know, they thought they could handle it. They realized they couldn't. Maybe they had hoped throughout camp that that they would be able to convince him to be vaccinated. And this was the breaking point. This was kind of the point of no return. And if he wasn't going to do it by now, he wasn't going to do it. And they're not comfortable moving forward. So I, I do feel like that's a part of it, but also credit to Mac Jones. I mean, he came out here this summer and, you know, he, he I don't want to say the rough first couple days because he wasn't bad, but I, I don't think, he played up to the level that that he expected to, that the team expected, expected him to, that most people expected him to, but he turned that around and flipped the script pretty quickly. And he was, you know, punch for punch over against Cam Newton. I thought he was better than Cam Newton over the final week. Of course, Cam missing some time factors into that. So yeah, all the credit in the world to Mac Jones, especially for a team that historically does not play rookies. And I'm sure we'll get into that more, but I wrote about that tonight for 98 or, or Tuesday night for 98.5, the sports of.com just. The rookie impact, the, the impact the rookies are going to have on this team. But, um, yeah, I you know, I, I think that I, I think Cam wasn't the starter because of the COVID thing, because of the vaccination thing. I think that's why he's not the starter. And then I think he's not here anymore, period, because it's tough to keep Cam Newton as your backup. And we know he's willing to be a backup, or at least it seems like it, because there's reports that the Cowboys are interested. uh, Somebody floated the Jets, the Texans, places he could potentially go and be a backup. So he seems like he's okay with it. But the Patriots, you know, they may just not want to have wanted him hovering over Mac's shoulder as that backup quarterback, because that's a lot to deal with. If you're Mac Jones, you throw one pick and half the fan base and the talking heads on TV are suddenly saying, where's Cam Newton?
1: Yeah, my biggest takeaway today uh, is like this is, at least I feel anyway, this is so unlike the Belichick we've known yep. over the past 20 years. One, starting a rookie, two, a rookie quarterback, and three, almost going back on his word since the day he drafted Max Jones. He's been very persistent about saying, yeah, Cam Steller starting quarterback, Cam's our starting quarterback, even coming into camp. he He didn't technically say he's our week one starting quarterback if you want to get uh, you know into the details there but he's made it, he really the first time you kind of saw him step back was a, a few days ago when he's just like well we haven't really made a, d- a decision on who's starting on our football team position wide whatever so, something along those lines right yeah and that's it- when you could you could kind of read between the lines a little bit but at the end of the day I still think a lot of us felt the way it felt I don't want to speak for everybody but I think a large majority uh, of the people felt that he was still going to go with Cam Newton until, uh, you know, maybe on a short leash, but uh, he was still going to go with Cam Newton as a starter. So at the end of the day, the biggest takeaway to me is like Belichick is, he's evolving with the times, even 20, 25 years into this.
3: Yeah. So, so the change in tone is interesting, and that's maybe something we should have looked into a little more. I figured it as you know, when he's asked on April 29th, who's the starting quarterback? He's going to tell you who the starting quarterback is on April 29th. And it was Cam Jones. Mac, uh, it was Cam Newton. Mac Jones had never even been in the building. You know, I kind of chalked that, that change in tone up to, well, the question changed. It's not who's your starting quarterback right now. It's who's your starting quarterback week one. But that tone did change right around the time. Like, like to, not right around. It changed once Cam Newton started missing practices. And maybe that that was like, I I don't think this was the plan for a while, right? Because Cam Newton was getting a ton of work with the first team offense. Mac Jones wasn't getting a ton of work with the first team offense until Cam Newton missed that time. And then he comes back and that that second joint practice, Cam got one series with the starters. Mac got one series with the starters and one with the backups. And I think we all looked at it and said, Mac's still working with the backups. He's not the starter. I think what we should have looked at it as was, oh, Mac is working with the starters too is probably how we should have read that. So it, it feels like, like you said, the tone kind of changed uh, around that time. And in terms of Belichick evolving, again, this is what I wrote about, 98.5thesportslope.com. It goes beyond the quarterback position. That's obviously, you know, the one we're all going to talk about, but they don't, they've never, ever played rookie running backs on this team. Non-first round pick rookie running backs. None have ever gotten over a hundred touches in a season. Ramondre Stevenson, with the trade of Sony Michelle is going to play a significant role on this team. He's not going to be a starter, but he's going to be Damian Harris's backup. Damian Harris isn't going to be a 30-carry game guy, and he has a history of getting nicked up. So, potentially, Stevenson could be forced into a big role. That's rare. On the defensive line, Christian Barmore. Again, he's not going to be a starter, but he's going to play a lot of key snaps, crucial snaps, a lot on third downs. They generally don't do that with rookies. Even Sean Wade in the secondary, a guy who just got here on Thursday. They're not super deep at defensive back. I thought after some of these injuries, they might keep uh, D'Angelo Ross. No, they have just eight defensive backs, four corners. Gilmore's not here. Sean Wade's going to play. He's not going to play a ton, but he's going to play. Last year, seven defensive backs played 50% or more of the Patriots' total defensive snaps. Wade's the eighth defensive back right now. So he's one injury away from being on the field half the time. And then of course, Quinn Nordine who didn't outplay his, his competition in the preseason. I think it's hard to say he outplayed Nick folk. Now folk didn't really play he was hurt for most of it, but Nordine, I didn't walk away thinking Nordine was a better kicker than Nick folk. He doesn't fit stylistically. The Patriots have always preferred accuracy to power when it comes to kickers. And he's not reliable. He's not consistent, which bill Belichick relies on them which bill Belichick, you know, he looks at that heavily. And maybe they think they can fix him. And if he does become consistent, he's instantly a top five kicker in football. But boy, it's going to be a roller coaster getting there. And in the past, the Patriots haven't wanted to deal with that. They put those guys on the practice squad or they put them on IR and say, well, we'll come back to you next year. That's not the case right now. Again, they're they're going with the kid. They're going with the rookie, a guy who's unproven in a key position. That's such a departure from what they usually do. And it's not necessarily a bad thing that they're doing this. There's going to be growing pains. But you know this team has been beat at times over the last two years because they were probably more hesitant than they should have been to put young players in, and instead they tried to let veterans play their way out of slumps, and it didn't always happen. So I look at this as a positive, but it's very new. It's very unexpected. Um, it is, you know, I, I was saying today, e- even beyond the Mac Jones stuff, today really signaled a new era of Patriots football.
2: Yeah, embracing the the youth, the youth movement. Now, yeah, oh yeah, kinda... total youth movement. Kind of speaking to that, too, in terms of a kind of other cuts across the board. So obviously you mentioned um, the, the Quinn Nordine one being another kind of surprising yep. one where it was like, oh, OK. You don't know if they would – especially, too. Let's let's be real. He was – it's kind of been reported, and who knows how serious it was, but he, he made himself a LinkedIn. He was looking for jobs elsewhere before the Patriots <laughs> called him. You know what I mean? Not to not – but at right. the same so, – so it's like they probably could have kept him on the practice squad and, and had him hanging around in some capacity. Um, in and see if Nick folk, um, health wise or whatever, if, if they could kind of coach up Nordeen. So to pick him day one, that, that is pretty, that's, that's significant. But are there any other kind of surprise cuts that you think are being under the radar? Cause this is a perfect storm for a cut. Like, I don't know, like a right. wild cut to happen where it's like, oh, well, Cam Newton got released. So you don't pay attention to those defensive line cuts or a linebacker getting cut or even Michael Jackson. Right. I think that was another one that was like, Oh,
1: Miles miles Bryant kind of stood out to me.
3: Yeah, that would be the one I don't, you know, I've had trouble calling anything a surprise cut because it just, you can't compare it to the Cam Newton one. Like it's not, it's not. Cam Newton's getting cut. The only person who would have been a bigger surprise cut than Cam Newton is Mac Jones. That's the only player that would have been a bigger (laughs) surprise. Um, But I I think miles Bryant was significant. Again, I talked about that lack of depth in the secondary and I know, you know, Bryant was hurt and he maybe wouldn't have been ready week one, but I thought he was a really good player when they signed him last year. I thought he showed flashes last year. I thought he certainly was having a very strong camp before he got hurt. I'd like to think maybe they'll bring him back and then put him on eligible to return IR. And maybe we see him later in the year. I don't know that he gets through waivers. I think another team will see the value in what he brings uh, but yeah, I, you know, especially with the lack of depth in the secondary and Gilmore going to PUP, I thought they'd try to keep one of those guys, whether it was Bryant and then IRM, or whether it was D'Angelo Ross who had that good game Thursday night. Uh, I, I thought one of those two guys would get through and then they're both slot corners too. And, and, and John Jones has been banged up. Uh, I never really considered Michael Jackson. He had like two nice practices right before the first preseason game and then completely fell off the map. He got beat time and time again against the Giants so I wrote him off pretty early but one of those slot corner guys I thought would make it and again it's a testament to you know they really believe in Sean Wade and what Sean Wade can do and I I, I love Sean Wade for the Patriots coming into the draft he plays corner the way they want to play corner he can play multiple different spots so you know maybe it shouldn't be a surprise it shouldn't be a shocker with the Sean Wade deal but just with the lack of depth, yeah, Miles Bryant and, and even to a little bit of an extent, D'Angelo Ross. Uh, you know, I, I'm not surprised either of them. I, I guess I'm not surprised either of them got cut individually. Bryant a little bit because I had him on my roster projection, but you know, if they had kept Ross over Bryant, I'd be like, all right, that makes sense. Bryant's hurt; they need this guy week one. Uh, to not carry either of those guys does stand out a little bit to me, and it makes me think that there's another move coming. There's another shooter drop at some point here over the next week and a half at the cornerback position.
2: That's 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 an interesting point, because that's one thing that I feel like we can kind of get lost in the sauce of all these cuts and whatnot. But if Belichick sees an upgrade based on cuts from other teams, then all of a sudden things might shift a little bit, which, again, right now, it feels like, man, this is the roster, but not necessarily the case, which kind of leads into the next question I would ask is um, among those kind of, quote unquote, surprise cuts, um, Brian Hoyer. Now, I think there's some speculation that depending on what stidham statuses and and, and just some other roster moves that i I think you might have even been one of the people to say this on twitter he could be back so it could be and and they did this last year if i recall correctly where they technically cut uh brian hoyer at some point and then they immediately signed him back so it's like this is not um completely outlandish to suggest that he's going to be back but is that something do you expect or do you think that maybe bill's going to monitor the the free agent quarterback market for these guys that get cut so I, I think Hoyer will be back.
3: I would expect okay. it unless somebody throws him the bag, which I wouldn't rule out. <laughs> I mean, the Jets could really use it. No, I'm serious. The Jets could really use a guy like Brian Hoyer. I mean, you you want a veteran in there in the room with the rookie to kind of show them how it's done. And they don't they don't have that guy. They don't have that extra coach in the room. They tried to sign Brian Hoyer back in the offseason and, and couldn't. Patriots made sure they kept him. But I, I would think that there's some sort of agreement between Hoyer and the Patriots. Now, that being said, I still think the Patriots are going to explore the quarterback market because in the age of COVID keeping three quarterbacks is an advantage. And I, uh, you know, there, there's two different ways they could go with this. I think having another veteran voice in the room with Mac Jones couldn't hurt whether it's Garrett Gilbert who got, you know, I thought he was kind of a surprising cut in Dallas. I, I thought he, he was decent for them in, in a limited backup role last year. Um, Josh Johnson, who's now been cut 20 times, which has to be an NFL record, <laughs> the guy who's been with, with 14 and really remarkable career, 14 NFL teams, three or four more non NFL teams uh, since 2008. I mean, he's seen everything and there's, there is value in that, especially to work with the rookie quarterback. So, you know, that's one direction they could go. They could also, right. You're going to get back down to two quarterbacks eventually, probably next year when these COVID regulations lighten a ton, but they don't really have a long-term backup right now. And that because you know, the, the Patriots quarterback saga in some ways as it's set up right now continues next offseason. We go from the hunt for a starting quarterback to the hunt for a backup quarterback. And you know, I, I don't think Hoyer's that guy long term. So do they go out and and look for a younger guy who got cut who maybe has backup potential? I look at a guy in Will Greer who got cut by the Panthers today, this morning. I loved Will Greer coming out of the draft. I think he's a fit for what Josh McDaniels wants to do. Didn't live up to his potential in Carolina. I think you know, coaching changes and and scheme changes had something to do with that. I I would like to see him get a shot at being a starting quarterback, but I think at the very least he could be a capable backup. He could be a chase Daniel type and you know, you bring him in now and he gives you what, what you're kind of looking for. And then boom, you don't have to worry about bringing in a backup quarterback next year. And your quarterback situation overall is set for the next two to three years, right? You don't have to worry about using a mid round pick on, on a quarterback next year. So I, I still think they add another guy, even if it's, for just six weeks until Jared Stidham comes back. Because he, he has to miss at least, at least six weeks being on PUP. But uh, I, I I do think, that in addition to Hoyer, I wouldn't be surprised to see them bring in another quarterback. And maybe it's the practice squad. Maybe they sign one of those guys I mentioned in the practice squad. They can do that with the new rules. But I would be shocked if there's just two quarterbacks in that room uh, come Monday.
2: Yeah, I, I think uh, another name that stuck out to me, at least, in terms of Jake Fromm being kind of a relatively surprising yeah. one right? With the bills of, of cutting him. And again, that's, it's one of those guys where he, he was a highly touted prospect coming out and he, he ran a couple other quarterbacks um, of no out of town. Uh, yeah. I, I think that says more about
3: Kirby smart being a bad coach. <laughs> <than it> does <laughs> <about> <laughs> from, If we're being honest, but I, uh, yeah, you no, know, no, no, somebody, somebody who was in the division who can give him a little insight into the, the presumptive division winner. Yeah. I, you don't hate that. You don't hate that. I, I, could see them sniffing around on, on Jake Fromm. I don't think that's unrealistic. It, it's, it's nice
2: though, to think, and this is one thing that I'm kind of, I, again, it's like, I'll, I think Cam Newton, given the circumstances, I think he did as well as he could and everything with, with what happened last year, so much was out of his control. So it's like, I, no bad blood uh in terms of Cam Newton, which I feel like most Patriots fans as a whole do kind of agree with, where it was like, you know what? It didn't really work out as, as we hoped, but with COVID and everything, um, not not ideal circumstances. However, now that it's kind of a, a clean slate here, it would be nice to to be able to get a quarterback that really fits the scheme that Belichick's going to embrace and McDaniels with Mac Jones, as opposed to the, the whole hybrid thing that he had to deal with, where it's like the offense that Cam Newton is going to run, very different from the offense that Mac Jones is going to run. So even from a COVID perspective this year, if Cam Newton's a liability to be on the field, it didn't make sense to be, essentially have two that diverse and different quarterbacks to be like, well, uh, assuming that cam doesn't violate more protocols and have to get retested and suspended another five days. Um, we'll have to kind of go the whole shift. Is that, is that something that I don't know that you think matters or no, am I over reading that?
3: So I thought it mattered, right? When they signed cam Newton back in March and we're looking at the draft, I'm thinking, okay, it's gotta be Justin Fields. Cause you ideally want to pair your bridge guy to your, 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 future, your draft pick. And so, like, for instance, the Patriots and Bears got it backwards. Cam Newton should be mentoring Justin Fields and, and Andy – well, Andy Dalton shouldn't be men- mentoring anybody. He's <laughs> you get my point. Like, if I'm the Bears. Honestly, if I'm the Bears. Even if they don't want to start Justin Fields week one, I'm, I'm kicking Dalton to the curb and signing Cam Newton right now. I think that's a no-brainer. But so, yeah, no, I mean, so I, again, I thought that there might be something to that, but the fact that they signed Cam Newton and drafted Mac Jones, I I, I think that tells you that, that they weren't too worried about that. And they, they didn't run a full Cam Newton playbook last year. And maybe some of that was just the limited off season, but I think they were trying to, to mold Cam into their offense and just add some, some quarterback design run plays to it. So you know, I, I, I think a lot of things were a part of it. I think the stylistic fit, I think the vaccination, I, I, I think Mac Jones play. I, I think it was a number of factors, but it's fair to put that on the list. I, you
2: know, that wasn't no part of it. I, I wouldn't say that. OK, and even the weapons, no. I guess that they got him, too. That's one thing, too, that kind of goes to your point. Well, generally. the,
3: the weapons, the weapons they signed actually fit Cam Newton pretty well, just not the way Cam Newton was being used in New England. Okay. So that's, that's that's the thing. It's like, they sign those guys and it's like, all right, this could kind of look like the 2011 Panthers offense because you have the speedster, Ted Ginn, Nelson Aguilar, uh, you know, strong tight end play Greg, uh, Greg Olson, Hunter Henry, two really good running backs, Sony Michelle, Damian Harris, uh, D'Angelo Williams, whoever you kind of, and this is like, right. This is kind of like a really lofty. This isn't a comparison in terms of the, the ability of the player, but just the role, he almost could kind of put Jacoby Myers in that Steve Smith role, obviously nowhere close to the player, but. skill set was. Some of, of, of those things. Yeah, yeah. Similar prototypes. So, you know, it kind of felt like that, but it, then it's, all right, well, that means the Patriots have to change fundamentally their offense to the core. Yeah. And so that, you know, was kind of a thought coming in. So I, 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 there were ways to make Cam Newton fit, but the Patriots never seemed fully committed to doing that. You know, I think that's because they knew Cam Newton wasn't going to be here long-term.
1: Now, backing up, you, you mentioned the Bears and what their plan is. Uh, it, it, it comes to mind that they had this plan of, okay, we're starting. We, we signed Dalton, We're starting Dalton. Oh, field is available. Let's take him. But we're still starting Dalton, And they're not shifting despite the field is play. And over here, you see almost the exact opposite. Obviously, all these factors go into why they chose to play Mac Jones, but that wasn't necessarily the plan written in stone as to what the Bears were doing. That, that, that plan is written in stone as stone as it can be over there. They refused to play the rookie for whatever reasons. Maybe you know, it, it, God knows what they're going to do. Hope maybe it's just one game, but uh, the, and this reminds me of back when Russell Wilson won the starting job. This is that, this is all I could think about uh, is Pete Carroll that, you know, they paid Matt Flynn a bunch of money. They draft Russell yep. Wilson, in like the third or fourth round, whenever it was, he kicks his ass in camp and he, Carroll's just like, fuck it. Let's go with, let's go with the kid. Let's see what he's got. And look what's happened since. So I'm not saying Mac Jones is going to put up a Russell Wilson type start to his career here. But, it, you know, it gives me hope that they're not wasting a year on his rookie deal just sitting behind a quarterback who he doesn't have any similarities to play style-wise.
3: Sure. So, you know, I, I think that – I don't know that the Patriots or the Bears are doing it perfectly. I, I think that you need to let the play dictate the decision. Like, look at what Miami did last year, Right. They were playing well and Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing well, but they had decided from the jump week six or whatever it is, the bye week we're making the change, regardless of what's happening. And Fitzpatrick was playing well and they made the change anyway, because that was what was predetermined and they lost the locker room because of it. And they kind of screwed with Tua's development because of it. So that's, that's not the right way to go about it. At the same time, I do think there's inherent risks in starting a rookie quarterback right away. I think you're exposing him to a lot. I think there's certain things that you just can't learn until the regular season begins. And Mac Jones is going to be thrown a lot of new stuff right away and we'll see how he handles it. And we've seen quarterbacks thrown in too early who developed bad habits and never fixed them. Josh Rosen, Mitchell Trubisky, these kind of players. Um, so I, you know, Every quarterback's different. Maybe Mac Jones is ready week one. I believe err on the side of caution. And if he's ready, if you think he's ready week one, great. Then you'll be sure he's ready week four. Then you'll be sure. So, you know, that's how I look at it. But there's two other things here. One, Mac Jones was the most pro-ready quarterback in this draft, not named Trevor Lawrence. So if any rookie should start week one, it should be Mac Jones. Uh, The other thing is... I talk about the risks with Mac and there's certainly risks in the long term. I think there's risks with, there were risks with Cam Newton in the short term regarding his vaccination situation. So I think the Patriots looked at weighing the risks. I think they like the team they have. I think they can make some noise. And they said, you know what? Mac Jones is pretty ready. We don't want to deal with, with, with the risks posed by Cam Newton. We believe we can get Mac Jones where he needs to be and not, not stagger his development. Let's go with the kid. So, you know, I, I I I would have stuck with Cam Newton for at least four weeks. Now, maybe Cam Newton didn't want to do that. Maybe he knew he was a lame duck quarterback and just said, I want out. I don't care that I'm going to start to start the season. I want out. They, like, we don't totally know what happened here. But I I would have liked to see them give Max some time. But I don't think he's a guy. He, he's not a guy I'm super worried about damaging by throwing him out early. You know, if they drafted Trey Lance... If they drafted Zach Wilson, I would say this was unilater- unilaterally a bad move. Those two guys are not ready. And I think Trey Lance is going to have a fantastic cry. I think Zach Wilson is going to suck. But I think Trey Lance <laughs> is going to be a really good NFL quarterback, but not right away. He needs time. Three best quarterbacks in the league last year. Brady, Mahomes, Rogers started to combine one game as rookies, and it was a meaningless week 17 game from Mahomes. So you can put stock in that. But also Justin Herbert was best rookie quarterback in football last year, started week two. So, I, you know, I, I think it's all different. I. The Bears are, the Bears are, are are smart, protecting Fields and playing for the long term and making sure he's ready. But if the, if you know, you mentioned how the plan is in cement. There, it is what it is. No matter what, if they have one of these facocca things like the Dolphins did, where we're going to get to the bye, we're going to make the change, no matter what. Well, if you're winning games and Andy Dalton's playing okay, you're going to lose locker, and and then Fields has to look back over his shoulder, and that's going to be a mess. So I. I wouldn't say that even though the bears are protecting their rookie a little bit, I wouldn't say they're doing it right either.
1: I will say one thing, sorry, one sec. I will say one thing about starting rookie quarterbacks. I think the biggest thing about why rookie quarterbacks struggle, even guys like Baker Mayfield who were kind of up and down is uh, having that coaching staff there the whole time and having a good coaching staff there and not having a new offensive coordinator every single year. I think Baker had yeah. what three head coaches in three years or something like that, and like four different offensive coordinators. Mac Jones is probably in the best coaching situation of any rookie quarterback by far, which makes me pretty comfortable with the fact. Yeah, there's going to be a starting rookie quarterback. He's going to have his up and downs all year. There's no doubt about that. And, um, but with Josh McDaniels, with Bill Belichick, Uh, I feel pretty good about the spot that he's in from now and for five years from now or whatever that may take us.
3: Well, I I would say too, I think, you know, some of those guys that Baker's an example, Josh Rosen's another one, who I mentioned a lot of these guys, right? If you're a rookie quarterback starting, you're probably joining a pretty bad team. Uh, You might not have a good offensive line in front of you. You might not have guys who can catch the ball and that can stunt your development. That's what screwed with Rosen. Rosen, Josh Rosen was not a bad quarterback. The problem is he had to play behind a historically bad offensive line in Arizona. They were not ready to put him in. Uh, they they put him in behind that offensive line and he developed bad habits and bad tendencies compensating for that and he's still trying to unlearn all that. So Mac Jones is going behind one of the best offensive lines in the league. His receivers got to catch the, his receivers have to catch the football and that's been a problem right kind of late in camp here. So we'll see what happens there but I think the offensive line I, if the Patriots have like an average offensive line, again, I don't know that they do this, but you got, you know, Trent Brown, Michael and Wenu, David Andrews, Shaq Mason, uh, just a great, great group up front. Uh, I think that helps make them a little more comfortable putting Mac Jones
2: in this situation. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was going to kind of point out in terms of the, it's a, one of the deepest and best offensive lines that we've seen. And, I, and we've seen a lot of good offensive lines as, as Patriots fans here. Uh, but this is—I don't know—bringing back this group and then the run game that we have too. That should be a pretty formidable uh, uh, backfield. So it's there's there's a lot for Mac Jones to rely on. It's not like it's not like he's on an island like Josh Rosen um, or even even honestly Justin Herbert last year because the Chargers do not have a good offensive line. So that was one thing that going into last year was like, oh, you're really gonna throw this rookie to the wolves with a, a like a pretty bottom bottom ten, bottom five maybe offensive line uh for the chargers so that's that's one difference too where i feel like the 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 floor is a bit higher um for a team yeah. like the patriots with the the surrounding talent that they have for mac
3: yeah yeah i'd agree with that I, again i i think it's tough because mac jones you don't normally see a rookie quarterback come into the kind of situation that mac jones is coming into so as as much as you want to project historical context onto the situation it's tough to find historical context that truly is
2: relevant it, now you kind of uh, you mentioned it before in terms of Mahomes, Rogers, Brady, um, and kind of previous situations. Do you think that of recent years, what's kind of the, the general consensus in the NFL? Is it leaning towards more teams being more open to, to starting those rookies day one? Or is it, is, do you think still that old school mentality of like every, I don't care who the quarterback is. He should sit like pretty much an entire season. What's the, cause I, I know we've kind of, we just kind yeah. of skirted around that a little bit, but I'm kind of curious. Cause I don't, I, I question that myself when I think about like, Oh, so-and-so drafted them in the first round. Does that make him a day run starter? I don't know. So, I mean,
3: Evan Lazar ran the numbers on this and there's no correlation between when rookies begin starting and their, their career success.
2: Oh, that's funny. Okay. I,
3: I it really is an opinion thing, I, I, and you can point to different things here and there, the style of quarterback, the team, etc. The league's definitely trending towards starting these guys sooner, and I think some of that is just owners who want to up the the TV ratings and the ticket sales, right? If you have one of these highly touted rookie quarterbacks, probably not selling a ton of tickets leading into getting that guy. Like how many people were going to Jags games last year, right? Uh, it, it's in the ownership's best interest that, that, you know, financially it's in the team's best interest. The Lawrence plays right away. So I think that's part of it. I don't think that's all of it. You know, I look at guys like Andrew Luck, Robert Griffin, the uh, third Mitchell Trubisky, who whose careers were probably derailed by starting too soon. I generally believe a quarterback anywhere from a month to a year, depending on the guy Unless you know, generational talent. I think Lawrence can start week one, but outside of him, I I just think you're better off sitting guys, but it's, it's so personal preference. There's really no data supporting one strategy being better than the other, at yeah. least in, in recent history.
2: True. And to Oliver's point before, in terms of guys being on the rookie contracts too, that, that might be part of it. Right. Cause you, you want to know that you have a guy right. while he's still on that cheap deal and be like, all right, well, let's go all in exactly. on the next two or three years. Right. If you see well, something, you're one. Yeah. No.
3: Yeah. Well, so yes and no. I, I mean, it's, it's true. It's absolutely true. And the, somebody posted, somebody said something today that I think there's only or there's like 10 teams that have quarterbacks that aren't on their rookie deal or something like that. It doesn't sound right, but they, there's more rookies on, there's more starting quarterbacks on cheap contracts right now than there have been in the last 20 years in the league. And that's the form. That's the format is get your, get a good rookie quarterback and then spend that money elsewhere to capitalize on that window. But I think with these first round picks, you have that beauty of the fifth year option. And I think some teams see that as an offset. They see that as, you know, all right, we have this guy under rookie control for only so long, but we can sit him for part of the first year because we get back, you know, we get that year back with that fifth year option. You know, it's kind of like you see in baseball where teams wait until mid May to call players (laughs) up because you get that extra year right of team control and arbitration. I, I don't know how the baseball contract yeah. system works. It's, it's bullshit, but the general idea of that, right? So I think some, for first round guys, some teams will look at that and say, yeah, we have the fifth round option. So we can give a month or two here on the front end. It's a second round guy, right? You know, with, with the Vikings potentially, or third round guy with the Vikings looking to start in Kellen Mong right away. If they really believed in him. that might be another story. Uh, but I, I do think that at least some teams look at that 50 and some teams, so look at that fifth year option, say, no, let's get this guy in right away. So we have five shots at this instead of four. Again, it's, it's so, it's so personal preference right now because there's no hard evidence supporting one way or the other.
1: All right. I, I have two questions left. They should be both quick. One.
3: We'll see with this, me. You say it's quick.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's good. That, that's, you know, that's fair. Uh, but one, does this change your Patriots projections for the year and two does cam Newton find a job this
3: year so the thing that changed my projections today the most was actually the stefan gilmore news yeah i think not having him early on hurts i think it's going to hurt him against the dolphins it's certainly going to hurt him against the bucks and it'll probably hurt him against the cowboys uh so i i actually probably have them one more loss than i did coming in because i didn't think at least in year one there was going to be much of a difference between cam newton and mac jones so I almost like a 10-win team right now, assuming Mac Jones keeps his head above water. Nine to 10-win team um, is where I have him at right now. Does Cam Newton get another job this year? Uh, assuming he wants to take a backup job, I could see it. Is I mean, it's going to come down to that vaccination thing. Is a yep. team going to risk forfeiting games because their backup quarterback isn't vaccinated? I don't know. I also, I mean, he's got some lucrative media opportunities out there. He could, he could probably make more money right now if he retired than if he comes back and plays. So... <laughs>
2: I, I, I got to wait point. and see how that
3: – no, I mean I'm serious. That, yeah. No, no, that's it's yep. the funniest
2: thing they, they eat up former Patriots guys, right? Right, and I mean he's already – he's hosting
3: a TV show already. I forget what it's called. He has some TV show where he has celebrities in. He drinks scotch, smokes cigars, chats with them. It's pretty – I mean he's, a, he's good on camera too. He's really good. Yeah, Like he's an engaging television host. He's got a future in that. Um, but – you know, I, I think the Patriots are paying him up to like 2.5 million. So no team's going to pay and he's already getting that money. So no team's probably going to pay more than that. There's not gonna be a bidding war for him. So, you know, maybe, maybe he walks away. I think he still wants to play. That's just kind of the vibe I got. And maybe it's something, you know, I don't think he's on a roster week one. I know people said the Cowboys are sniffing around, but I think it's something where, you know, if injuries start to pile up, we see him. Maybe it's, I mean, Honestly, if, I, you know, if I'm his agent, I'm calling the Jets because I talked about how important it is to have that veteran in the room with a young quarterback. They don't really have that guy right now for Zach Wilson. And I think Cam Newton would be an interesting guy for Zach Wilson to learn from. So, you know, maybe the Jets realize Zach Wilson needs a mentor. Uh, we don't know what's going on with Deshaun Watson, but whether he gets dealt or he gets suspended or whatever, Houston's probably the best chance he's going to have. If he wants to go to start. Uh, apparently the Cowboys are interested in him. He can't rule out Washington with Ron Rivera, although we know his stance on the vaccine. So he may not be super eager to bring in an unvaccinated Cam Newton. Uh, but, you know, there's places
2: he could land, but I think it might take some time. No, that's 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 fair. In, even in terms of like to Texans, though, do you think I don't know, does he with the opportunities he has in terms of alternative options to, to I don't know, for income, whatever celebrity, whatever he wants to do if he doesn't play football? Does does him going to the Texans and the because let's be real, whether they have a quarterback or not, that's going to be a pretty bad football team. No. So is does that I don't know. I, I'm just curious, you, you know, his vibe better than I. But like, is he willing to play or do you think he's willing to play enough to play for a five win team? That's not really has no chance of of making much noise or I guess maybe to his credit, maybe he's confident enough of himself that he thinks that he could be a difference maker to put them in the running for the AFC South. But what's, what do you think? Yeah, no, that? I mean,
3: I, I, I think it's what you just said. Cause you, I mean, that's what he was doing here last year, right? He came into a team that didn't have a ton of talent and, and what he's trying to do right now is reset his market at, at 32 years old and get one last big contract get like a, a two to three year deal worth probably somewhere around, I don't know, 30 million, 40 million. Um, he, he's, that's probably, you know, that's his best case scenario. If he comes out and he, he competes and he flirts with an MVP, that's what he's going to do. I think he still believes he can do it. And yeah. So, I, you know, I think if he goes to Houston, he doesn't see a bad team. I think he sees a blank slate and I, I could see him going. Cause he realistically, if he wants to, you know, if he's fine, just kind of, you know, his NFL career flickering out as backup, Houston doesn't make a ton of sense. There's no reason to just go there and suck but if he's trying to, to get that one last big contract and he still still sees himself as a franchise quarterback, then Houston makes a ton of sense because if you prove you can win with that roster, you're going to get paid, you're going to get paid big time. And, and that's, you know, the high risk, high reward option for him. And he seems like he, again, he, he definitely believes in himself. That's, you know, there's one thing I can say for sure about Cam Newton. He's a confident guy. And I mean that the best way possible. Yeah. So no, I, I think if he had an opportunity to start at Houston, I, I feel like just from, from seeing him and the way he operates and all that, I think he'd jump at a chance to start in Houston. I think, you know, I think if he knew he was going to be a backup, I I think Dallas is more realistic. I think I know some people flirted it with Atlanta as an upgrade over Josh Rosen. I think he'd love to go play at home. You know, I, I think that there's other spots that make more sense as a backup,
2: but if he has a chance to start in Houston, I don't know how he says no to that. Gotcha. Okay. And then um, I I guess kind of a, a couple non Patriots notes to kind of close out here in terms yeah. of, uh, cause we're, we're kind of running low on time and I'll take too much time for you. Poor guy needs some sleep after, uh, no, no, <laughs> no. So I'm the one who's going on and on. I'm the one who's going on. and on. No, and on. no, That's we okay. don't, we appreciate it. We just think, again, this was, that was early morning news. Like you, you probably, I don't even know what, what was your morning routine today? Actually. I'll ask you that. What, what happened in terms of what, ha- like you, you heard the news or whatever you like what, what goes through your head? What well, are you just like inject caffeine to your bloodstream and you're like, let's go. <laughs> yeah. So, so
3: I, I got up like 630 this morning because um, I had to be at Gillette at eight and Bill spoke at eight. And Bill actually gave a glowing review of Cam Newton. It was the last question of his press conference. I remember that. So then, then
2: about that. That
3: was funny. yeah, we, we went up. I was with uh, Evan Lazar and uh, Zach Cox. And and we went up because you can't we couldn't be in the in the room where they did the press conference because COVID regulation stuff. They, we had to go out of there. So they let us work in the press box because we still had to be around for practice later in the day. And it's just me and Evan in the press box and Evan gets up to go to the bathroom and I'm like, all right, right, we'll see you in a minute. And I turn and I see the Jim McBride tweet. And this was probably about 10 o'clock. So, I mean, I've been awake for three hours at this point. Okay. And I was writing something. I think Montravius Adams had just gotten cut. And I was working on some tweet about, you know, now it seems so freaking irrelevant, but <laughs> so like something, blah, blah, blah. There was a rumor yesterday that, um, there was, there was a rumor yesterday that, that Montrevis Adams might get traded. Now he gets cut. I guess Patriots can try to find a trade partner. Boom, send. This tweet could not be sent. All right, send again. And in the minute between where I hit resend and it like grayed out the screen to load, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I like half read McBride's tweet. It popped up at the top of my timeline right there. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? And I'm like slamming on my keyboard because this tweet's taking forever to send and it felt like an hour it was probably 10 seconds it it felt like an hour and then i go back and i read it and i reread it and i reread it and i reread it and And then so we're like on the bottom level of the press box so there's like stairs behind me and i hear evan on the stairs behind me and he just goes oh my god and i'm like oh my god and then it was just boom work mode boom we're in i'm texting you know the the guys from 98.5 Matt Dolph, how do you want to handle this? I'm working on tweets. I start writing a post, me and Evan go outside and shoot a video. So it's one of those things where, you know, kind of like they, they, they show things like this in movies sometimes. And I know this sounds cheesy, but it's true. Everything got really slow for a second. You know, when I'm rereading McBride's tweet again, that felt like that, that 30 second window felt like 10 minutes. And then the next three hours felt like 10 minutes, It was, (laughs) you know, those, it, it those those are fun days those are yeah as long as it's good news there's some days That's where you true. get that major <laughs> impact story and it's bad news you know one of my first days working at the sports hub was actually the day that, that Kobe Bryant passed and that that was tough oh. that was a tough day to deal with um but you know days like today where obviously you don't want to see anybody get cut I shouldn't act like you know we were celebrating cam Newton getting released but it was you know it was a big story it was an unexpected story it represented a lot for the organization um in the and, and ultimately it was you know it wasn't life or death. Uh, so, you know, in that sense, it was just, it was, it was a really exciting moment because again, it's what everybody's talking about. And I mean, there I am, I'm sitting in the Gillette stadium press box. I'm looking at the field. I have people calling me, texting me, tweeting at me, asking about it. You know, I'm right in the middle of this, what is the biggest story in the sports world of the day? And that's, that's pretty cool. And you just try to, you know, you're running around left and right. You're, You're on and off your phone a ton. You're on and off your computer a ton. You're just trying to take, like, five, ten seconds to just kind of soak it all in and be like, yeah, it's pretty cool right now. I was
2: going to say, to be in the building as well, that must be another element where it's like, this is here. This is happening. Yeah, right, I, originally like, in gonna the same building. I originally wasn't
3: going to stay. I originally wasn't going to stay, and I'm glad I stayed.
2: Um, but, yeah, no, it was, it was pretty cool. No, that's awesome. And then um, I, one thing I kind of wanted to kind of – ask about in terms of the uh the bishop sycamore story because we haven't this is our first of all like that would just what a wild wild story and I, I hope that there's like a an in-depth 30 for 30 or some equivalent um special on it at some point to really dive into it especially because i down the road those guys i bet are going to be willing to talk um yeah. even if it's anonymously but uh but no i any any kind of uh, hot take thoughts on that in terms of uh, the, the comic relief of it or, or anything? Yeah. I mean, you know,
3: I, I football needed a fire fest, I guess. Um, <laughs> and That's no, it's, it's great. The The shame is that the new NCAA football video game isn't coming out for two years, because I think we all want to make our road of glory players now from Bishop Sycamore. Don't we? like, <laughs> I, want I want to, I want to, I want to do that. I, I know for sure. So <laughs> No, it's, I mean, it's wild. I, I hope all those kids are, I guess they're not kids. I guess they're like 25, right? They're Juco guys. But, you know, I hope they're okay. It certainly sounds like whoever's making these decisions doesn't have their best interest in mind. But, yeah, what a what a wild, wild story. And it just, you know, you think today where everything's online and, and you know, high school sports are as big as ever. And, you know, you have high school athletes, right? Uh, 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 Quinn Ewers signing like a $1 million NIL that, that you'd think you'd, people would be on top of especially a school like IMG, as big as they are. True. And let's not escape the fact that in a game involving IMG, IMG isn't the fakest high school. Let's not, because <laughs> I mean, IMGs, it's not like high school, like me and you went to, that's not, you know, English at seven, math at eight, history at nine. It's, it's not what IMGs like uh, that, that, you know, that you major in athletics there. So, yeah. Um, the whole story is just kind of nuts, but it's, it's a ton of fun. Again, I, I, you hope those kids are okay, but uh, assuming they are, it, it, it's a ton of fun. And I think it's just going to keep getting
2: goofier. Yeah. No, the, um the, the clips of the ESPN broadcast are just so funny too, as they kind of, they trickled out where it's like different moments where they're like, uh, number 54 is down on the, uh, on <laughs> Bishop Sycamore. He was not on our roster. So we don't know who he is. Like <laughs> them, like, in a, again, I hope he's okay. In terms of that injury, but just hilarious in the sense that like, They just had like a – I don't know. Obviously, who knows even if the names are are legit on the roster they had, but they it was an incomplete roster. Just Well, so I don't know
3: if you saw today the school that they were supposed – or one of the schools they were supposed to play this weekend because, again, they played Friday and Sunday. One of the schools they were supposed to play this weekend tweeted out that they canceled the game, and the replies to that tweet are golden. Oh, really? Oh,
2: like, I got to check you know, that
3: out. We're looking for replacement and there's people like making accounts for like fake high schools <laughs> and like movies, like the school from varsity <laughs> blues tweeting at him like, Hey, we'll play if you need stuff like that. So it's been, yeah, it's been, you know, it, it has been pretty entertaining here as we're, you know, you needed that little holdover because we got a really good week zero in college football, that Illinois, uh, uh, Illinois Nebraska. Nebraska that was a great game. That's as college football as you can get. I was big its big tennis, um, <laughs> but you need a a little carry over here before we get to week one. And I think even though it's a high school, it's kind of filled the college football space. A lot of the college football people are talking about it. And it's been a nice little carry over here
2: as we try to get to week one. Yeah, no, totally agree. Totally agree. Um, All right, cool. No, and uh, and actually last thing in terms of us being the Small State Big Takes podcast, do you have any NFL week one or even just early season big takes? Doesn't need to be Patriots related. Is there a team that you're, or even a player where you're like, Oh man, his preseason, he looked great. And I think that he's going to have um, a huge breakout or, or the opposite. If you want to go negative, that's fine too. Yeah. I, no, I'll, disappoint. I'll actually
3: give you one the other way. Cause I have been thinking about this, that we, the, the Patriots had their joint practice with the giants, right? Daniel Jones does not like an NFL quarterback. And I'll say this, Mike Glennon didn't look terrible. I, I, you know, I don't know that I'm ready to give the franchise keys to Mike Glennon, but I think he unseats Daniel Jones at some point this season. I really oh, do. I, I think this is it for Daniel Jones. Mike Glennon looked okay. Um, I Yeah, I, I I think we're we're just about at the end of the Danny Dimes era. I think the Giants are going to be looking for a quarterback, if not in this draft, in the next draft. I like it.
1: All right. I like that take. So, they, okay. and I, I, I
3: saw that with my own eyes, so I feel a lot better about that one than just reading reports from some other camp, so.
2: That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. All right.
1: Well, cool. Alex, thanks again for coming on, and, you know, We'll be in touch throughout the season. I'm sure if anything else happens or, or whatever, if we're just bored on a Monday night, uh, you know, we'll hit you up. And where, where can the people find you on the Twitter machine?
3: Yep. At uh, real Alex Barth on Twitter. And then you can check out my work at 98.5 sports com. I'll also be hosting on 98.5 Sunday from three thirty to five. If you want to tune in, I'll be on with Matt Dolph. Oh,
2: i have to check that out. Well, there, no, you, ta- well, there you go no TikTok though no you're not in the TikTok game yet we have to no, wait on that i, I do i
3: i wouldn't be on twitter if i didn't have to be for i'm not <laughs> a social media guy at all i got instagram two years ago because i had to you know i was okay. forced into it by my employer at the time like i'm not i'm not a so i would burn it all to the ground if i <laughs> that's fair that's fair so but i uh, begrudgingly on twitter at real alex barth cool sweet
1: awesome right. well Go, Pats, and we'll see you around.
0: Yeah. I appreciate the times for having me. Heart just turned purple. 360 up front, it all comes full circle. Class photograph, Sandy had me on my urkel. Patty Mahomes about to fall short a couple hundred. Sign, seal, delivered. I know the notary public. She witnessed me sign off on some undeniable numbers. Yeah. Make a set selling in Croatia to get the leverage Groundskeepers cutting the grass and clipping the hedges I took two mil out the cage down in the desert Matthew Maddox calling the pit bars double checking The numbers all good, just pay me, I'm at the Rhino Real life, the whole fam goons like Rollo One truck in front of me, one behind me to follow Let me get a lemon pepper order, please You gotta head a link before you order these Docking jet skis in the Florida Keys We all grateful for Wheezy, but no one more than me You just find a bottle with the messages These days fame is disconnected from excellence Half the time I gotta ask what they profession is Usher the generation and these are where my professions live